Okay. Holy Yeah, God. you're not the only one who's having trouble with Audacity. Now I am too. Twins. Twinsies! Well, you know well, it- No, I'm looking at the Audacity site. Last update was 2020. So, I mean, maybe there's just not being supported anymore. So, I suspect what happened... Okay, so going like that again. Oh, uh, yeah. Speaking... Can you hear me? Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. 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 Do you hear? It's really weird because now in my head, it sounds fine. But I've got my external speakers running and that's where you're coming from, which is strange as all hell. I don't know. Maybe something like booted the default to something that you didn't want. Like, like if maybe Audacity or Windows Update took over the input output. What's really interesting is that you're echoing. Oh, crap. Uh Uh-uh. <laughs> Welcome to the Stories for Nerds podcast. And now, with another Epic episode. Here are your hosts for SFN. And what's up, everyone? And welcome to episode 8.15 of the Stories for Nerds podcast, a show featuring a group of sci fi and fantasy authors who not only love to discuss the latest of books, TV, film, video games, anime, and all other forms of nerd entertainment, but they also read and collaborate with stories as well. And once again, I have the pleasure of being here with Abby Goldsmith. Hello. Hello. And Scott Barkin. If you say so. I know, right? <laughs> oh, folks, if you can see what happens in the back end prior to recordings, oh my word. <laughs> oh, to think that we've actually had eight seasons of this sh- of this podcast. Wow. You'd think we'd be practiced by, you know, and I have never had meaningful audio problems until today. And- I mean, for what's worth, that is true. That is yeah. true. I am usually the problem child on, on the podcast and everything, which is a nightmare of a Celsius on the show running. That's like the um, like the last person you want to have like technical issues is, is definitely like, hello, me, sorry. But now I'm not alone anymore, so you can't just point your fingers at me now. Thanks for giving me company, Scott. I feel so much better. <laughs> Thumbs up. I do it anyway. I, I have no conscience. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and of course, uh, this is our Nerdy Chat episode, so you would probably be expecting a Mr. Eric Johnson on this show with us, but he has some personal matters that he is attending, um, aka, well, it's nothing too serious. He's he just had a soccer game scheduled on top of this, and yeah. So, have fun, Eric, or whatever, I guess, missing out on nerdy chats and stuff. Because, man, do we have a, a colorful conversation to be had. Um, I, I got, I got my, uh, I got my, my, uh, this is going to be a white flag of sorts, but uh, because uh, we don't have the envelope anymore, but we are going to have to be mindful of how lengthy our conversations go because ooh, it's going to be heated. We are going to be talking about something that has been in the news for the past couple of months uh, with AI art. And uh, so uh, we are going to get into that a little ways ahead but before we do that we always like to get updates with the authors on the panel and their personal projects so starting with you abby how's your writing coming along if there is any writing coming along yeah i've given up on writing for the next month or two (laughs) (laughs) it's just not gonna happen no i don't time for rewriting either or editing it's all day job and book marketing Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't so writing, but not writing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. writing around the business of writing, yes, but not sure. the, the process of. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yep, I continue to post on Royal Road, Wattpad, Patreon. Um, there you go. I've started to post a bit on Reddit as well. So, exploring the Reddit waters, yes. Ooh, yeah. I, it, honestly, I wish I had done it earlier, but. Really? Yes, but I honestly, when I when things took off on Royal Road, I just didn't have time. I was like, sure. "Well, that's 
that's as much bandwidth as I can handle. I mean, so, I imagine. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. what's up with the what's up with Reddit then? How's that going? And not so great yet, but I do see that there is a lot of cross pollination. There are really? different readers there. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, I'm definitely going to keep it in mind for like my next serial. Mm-hmm. But um, this one might. I might have just started too late, you know. I, so I'm already on book five. Yeah, on and that's interesting because I've never heard of any authors uh, attempting to connect with people on Reddit. So, well, there's a few big, um, big subreddits for serial authors. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so there's one particularly for sci-fi that is really where my stuff definitely fits in. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's our. It's just like there's some big authors on there, and I'm having trouble being visible. Um, but because, mostly because I started so late, you know, I'm like, hey, everyone, I've already gone book five on Royal Road. How about that? Um, anyway, but I'm doing what I can. It's it's sure. cool, and next time I'll be smarter about it. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, and consistency is key. Yeah. So keep at. Yeah. And how about you, Scott? Uh, how are your short stories coming along? You know, I didn't get much done this this time. Um, so, fair enough because I didn't either. Because I I was actually about to tell I was actually about to tell Abby that I was in Colorado for all for for the past week. Um, I was in um, I was in Denver. I was in the Denver area more or less, but there's like this little town like west of Denver called uh, Nywat. And that's where my company, I know, I know, I know. I think like it's probably like a population of like 1,000 or something like that. If you if you Google it, I kid you not, it looks like where they shoot Hallmark Hallmark movies. I mean, it's like the, just a perfect little like suburban town, like where you can imagine like the, 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 the young woman from New York and the corporate job, she gets fired and she has to go back home, you know, to her little small town for home beginnings. And she's all about the busy life. And she thinks all these people are super like behind on the times and stuff. And then because of that, she somehow learns the magic of Christmas all over again. <laughs> yep. That's not what for you. We did it in one night. Wow. <laughs> But I mean, but it was a it's a really really cool town. I I definitely enjoyed my time there uh, for certain. But man, it was go 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 the whole time. And I don't know what it's about traveling, but traveling just takes so much. I mean, it just drains everything out of you. So you're thinking that you're gonna be excited and ready to go, and you know, uh, uh, like have fun, like in this new area and stuff, but. Man, once eight and eight o'clock or nine o'clock rolls around, it's like, um, bed sounds really, really good right now. <laughs> I can't speak for you, but when I used to travel for for my day job, mm-hmm. I it took me a full day to get acclimatized. No matter where I was going, first night couldn't sleep worth a darn. Oh god! Second night I was fine, but yeah. for a day I was just completely disoriented. Oh no! Absolutely, hands down. Especially like if you're changing like a time zone and all that. And uh, so I, uh, being in Colorado, I was oh yeah, I was in your time for a second there, Mister Scott. <laughs> Get all mountain time. <laughs> briefly, yeah, briefly, briefly. But yo, the, the the scenery out there was absolutely unbelievable. I cannot fathom like um. The majority of people who work in my company, we work remote, but I'd say maybe there's a quarter of people who are local there. And I asked one of the, uh, one of the ladies who, who lives there, and I, I just asked her, I was like, okay, so being here, what are your thoughts on the scenery? And she was like, I st- I'm still not used to it. I was like, okay, that's that makes me feel better because I was I was taking pictures of it the whole time I was there, and then eventually, like I I went back and looked at my picture. I was like, oh man, this is these pictures are garbage. <laughs> they really are. I mean, just just by you know by comparison of seeing like the mountains and and everything else with the naked eye, 
photos just do not do it justice. And I was taking the pictures more or less for my family and friends and stuff. But at the end of the day, I think I'm just going to be like, um, you, you just got to come here to see it for yourself. I mean, it is absolutely breathtaking. Mountains especially are like that, that there's no – there's no mundane equivalent to it there's not. to being in the you know amongst the rockies and you come out your front door and you look up and there's just mountains yes um yeah seriously and then and, and me being in the appalachian mountains in tennessee i mean don't get me wrong i'm i our mountains are beautiful and everything too but it they the rockies hit different yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for those who can't see, uh, Scott is mimicking like like the rocky, like jagged edges, whereas the the, the Appalachians they're really smooth and and just kind of mellow by comparison. <laughs> well, it is different. I mean, they're they're quite literally rocky mountains. You look out yeah. the you look at them, and what you see are slabs of of natural granite at mm-hmm. various angles to the ground. Um, yes, and yeah. Yeah, and seeing them up close, I mean, I was like really trying to recollect seeing rock formations like this in my lifetime. I was like, uh, you, I mean, you see pictures of the Rockies all the time and everything, but when you see like the slopes up close and personal, you're just like, how is that physically possible? It, it's mind boggling, mind boggling. So, yeah. Definitely enjoyed my time out there and, and uh, definitely looking forward to visiting it again for certain. Uh, maybe uh, not not so far. Uh, maybe I won't have to wait as long as I did this time. But um, how about we do a quick round of nerdy interest since our last meetup, uh, starting with you, Abby. Hmm. Well, I mean... I'm really enjoying an, a book series, which is a, a web serial, actually. Okay. Um, I've heard it recommended multiple times, and now I know why. Paranoid Mage. <laughs> well, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty fun. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of a good comparison, and, and I'm having trouble. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's basically a guy who, um, he's a mage. He gets inducted. It's it's sort of like urban fantasy, like you might consider like Jim Butcher's kind of stuff, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there's like a parallel world, kind of going on to ours, and this guy decides he doesn't want to deal with the magical authorities. The magical authorities are just too oppressive. They don't they hate mundanes, so the mundanes are kind of like muggles. Um, and they're just really disdainful. They're like, oh, those mu- they don't even care if the muggles die. You know, they're just like, well, you know, they're just mundanes. So he he's kind of gone vigilante and he's going around just like killing any magical people that are hurting mundanes. So <laughs> as you do, as you like, do. I, I, <laughs> yeah, but he's gone completely renegade. So there's like this whole. Um, magical bureau after him vampires werewolves are colluding trying to get him um fairies are are you know of course they're just ridiculous and he just goes around killing them um (laughs) which i'm all for yeah you know um and of of these archmages want to train him or kill him and (laughs) they they've just um they're completely overpowered, but they're completely just like out of touch. They're hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. So they, they have no clue how the modern world works, really. So he's using his knowledge of the world of, of like mundane stuff to like to kind of trick them. Mm-hmm. To get around. Okay. okay. Yeah. He's like, he'll like <laughs> take an airplane flight. And they're like, how did he cross the ocean? We don't understand. You know, that sort of thing. Gotcha. So- <laughs> without leaving a trace mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's it goes deeper than that you know he's figuring out the magic system he's trying to figure out how to survive with like these all these like dragons after him and that sort of thing okay so he's like all right gotcha. anyway so it's a lot of fun i highly recommend it <laughs> yeah very interesting i mean there's uh, there's five books in this series. Is it complete or is it or is the author still working on them? 
I actually do not know, okay. but I definitely plan to read them all. So okay, hmm. so uh, you're on you're on the first book. I'm on the second book now. The second book, so that is Renegade Mage. Renegade Mage, yep. Gotcha. He's gone, Renegade. All right, that's what's up. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, that seems pretty fun. I might have to check that out. Oh, uh, your description of it reminds me. It's almost like the reverse of that anime called Gate that I was like a real big fan of, where uh, these well, where this fantasy realm attacks modern like Japan, and they get their there's no other way to describe they get their asses handed to them and because it's like well oh no knights bows arrows you got dragons we have apaches so i don't mean the indigenous people i'm talking about the helicopters so totally. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a lot like this like he's he's like all right let me make a thermite bomb and drop it on them using my spatial spells or whatever yeah you know so he's like He's like, with these powers, I can make a perpetual energy, a perpetual motion machine and generate electricity for the entire world if I wanted to, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so he's just like figuring all this stuff out. And oh, uh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to put that one on my list. Oh, uh, what about you, Scott? What do you about to do since I last made up? I uh, have been looking at some uh, classic anime um, okay, classic. Old anime. Oh, God. Wait a minute. When you say that, you're not talking about anime that's like from the early 2000s, are you? No! <laughs> no! 2002. Oh, no! That's... Dude, that's 20 years old. That's one of the first series I ever bought on DVD. I guess that does count as classic by this point. Oh, oh yeah. my life. <laughs> One of the first series I bought on DVD, oh, uh, lent it to somebody, they never gave it back, and uh, I've been uh, trying to find it ever since, because of course it's in the collector's market now, so it's tremendously expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but I found it online at uh, Annie Watch, and I've been watching it. It's called uh, Figure 17. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Mm -mm. It was based on manga. Um, it's really interesting because it's shamelessly emotional. Tear jerking to the nth degree. Oh no. I'm it's a combination no. I, of very I, I'm looking at the covers and the art style itself. Yeah. I don't know, Scott. I don't know. <laughs> very two thousands y. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. It came out in two thousand one. Yep. Oh geez. This looks like uh I don't know. I don't know if I'm strong enough for this, Scott. I loved this series, but it takes an emotional toll on me because it's reasonably sad and the, they, they have no scruples whatsoever about plunging the knife, twisting, turning, gripping, chunking. So it's, it's kind of a combination pseudo magical girl in that Tsubasa changes into figure 17, which is a robotic technological creature from an alien technology, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, really interesting um, okay. because it's, it's exploring both sociological and uh, emotional issues at a, at a fairly deep level. You've got a little girl who, uh, you know, her mom died when she was born. She's been forced to leave Tokyo and move to, um, to uh, Hokkaido hates it all the local kids treat her like you know like a stranger and they all got you know anti-tokyo rivalries so you know she's so she's sad she's alone she's isolated her dad's busy never sees her blah 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 right kind of a setup and then it goes on from there so i i think it's fantastic um but it is of a different era than we are living in now Different kind of story, different. Uh, the art style is so not even close to anything we're doing. Now. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, hands, without question. It, it, just, it definitely shows its age with the style. Now, what's funny is that the other um, series that I'm going to watch right after that is uh, Monster from 2004. I don't know if you're familiar with that one either. Um, mm -mm. A medical professional, a doctor 
has a choice to save one of two people. Turns out that the one he saved is a monstrous serial killer. Oh, no. uh, Who then goes on to kill and kill some more and kill a whole bunch while taunting this doctor for having saved him instead of the little girl. I was about to say, is this one of those groundbreaking animes that could have easily been a live action story? Probably. Okay. Because there's no, there's no meaningful, it's, it's mundane action. There's no uh, effects to speak Mm -hmm. of. Um, So it could very easily have been done as a, uh, as a live action. Okay. That, that looks interesting. I might have to look that one up too. I wonder if it's on country. Level. Yeah, 70 some odd episodes. It's really dark. It's really difficult. It's a psychological horror. Oh, it's on Netflix. Yes, that's what okay. that's what prompted okay. me to go to it. Is I think I don't think the whole series is up there. If it is, it's all in Japanese, and I wanted to watch the dub. Sorry. Gotcha. I know the purists hate me, but there you are. Okay. Very cool. But in all the right, process, and- I also found a download site. <clears throat> what that has uh, some classic <laughs> anime like oh say the fox version of totoro available right yeah been looking for that for a long time hate the disney translation uh very cool for what okay it's worth. no um I'm going to look at that up right now. Came out in 20, 2004. Okay. <sighs> One thing to add into the slush pal. Yay. It's a pure <laughs> psychological horror. Um, and, and it gets pretty dark. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks great though. I mean, as long as it's a good story, I'm down for it. Um, I, um, Last last nerdy thing I did really haven't been dabbling in anything too new. Um, I did actually uh, resubscribe to Max since it's not called HBO Max anymore. Whoever, whatever branding genius thought that was a good idea is beyond me. But yeah, that's hearsay. We should tweet about that. Oh wait, they're X now. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, so um, I started watching the latest uh, Superman uh, cartoon called uh, My Adventures with Superman. Um, it was, it's, it's, um, it airs initially on Adult Swim, but also shows up on Max as well. Um, and with the cartoons that you see on Adult Swim, you think it'd be like either excessively violent or crude humor. It's nothing like that at all. It's just a genuine, very nice, down-to-earth, almost slice-of-life animated Superman show. It's very, it's, it's, it's very, very pleasant <laughs> all things considered and relaxing for uh uh considering like the uh, all the uh uh interesting interpretations that we've had of superman as of late uh this really um is a really interesting take on him as well uh given his origins and his background now i mean i mean he's still from krypton and all that jazz but um they do they take some creative freedom with his powers, which some purists might take issue with. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's still Kal-El slash Clark Kent. And and like the villains are still the villains that you expect. Um, I will say the one thing that is different is their take on Lois Lane. She is... Actually, I'm <laughs> okay. Disclaimer: When it comes to comic book romances, people always say you're either Team Mary Jane or Team Lois Lane, and I was always Team Mary Jane <laughs> because <laughs> Lois Lane, she, Mary Jane loved Peter Parker, always loved Peter Parker, whereas Lois Lane loved Superman. 
And that was always kind of like my deterrence. Like, oh, well, she she loves the uh, like so so. Uh, Lois Lane is all captivated by the the alter ego persona of of Clark Kent because he's all macho and superhero. Whereas Mary Jane loves this nerdy, down to earth scientist, geeky guy who's who, who's just a he was just a kind soul and she loves him for him. So, um, but that being said, they actually twi- turned that around with this series where, because like Lois is obviously head over heels with, for Clark Kent. And then she really isn't the biggest fan of Superman in this league because she thinks that, well, he, he's, He's too good to be true. He he's he's he has an alter an alter motive and stuff. And one of my favorite lines is when she was talking about her concerns with Clark about Superman, of uh, Clark trying to defend Superman, aka himself. She was like, "Well, maybe this guy, maybe he has these powers, and he just wants to do it to help people." And Lois laughed. Lois laughed straight in his face, like, "Come on, Clark. If that was, if Superman was you, that would make perfect sense. But we're talking about him." And I was like, "Oh, I see what you guys are doing there, and I am totally all for it." So I think um, I, I keep reading like a lot of the comments of, of like what people are are their take on this new Lois Lane and she's getting her reception is going very, very well for the most part. I mean, even though, I mean, it's a complete different uh, persona of what we usually see with Lois Lane, but I, I think it's, I, I really like it. I think it's really cool. So I'm, I'm just watching it just to see like how, how these two individuals interact with each other. And again, I mean, it's just, it's a very, very wholesome cartoon a very surprisingly wholesome cartoon that's on adult swim so uh if you have adult swim or max uh, i definitely uh, uh definitely recommend it but um how about to that end how about we get into some nerdy news where we offer some sci-fi and rec uh ooh, excuse me sci-fi and fantasy book recommendations along with updates in their culture try to say that too fast so we got a book recommendation this time that is sci-fi and it is called The Last Fellowship from author Joshua T. Calvert. So humanity's endless war and a crew of outcasts on a decommissioned warship who could change the future. First contact with the alien cliques led to a generations-long war. The terrain Excuse me, the Terran Federation still knows very little about the enemy. Captain Conrad Bradley commands the decommissioned battleship Oberon, the last remaining Titan of the fleet. Mocked as a flying museum, too expensive, too cumbersome, too old, Bradley and his crew of outcasts from a long vanished colony lead a dull life on the farthest edge of human hegemony. Now, Bradley's hope to go quietly into the night ends with the arrival of the legendary strike group two and the delivery of a secret so great it could end the war. That's why Lagunia was chosen for its construction. Getting the system operational doesn't go as expected, leaving Bradley and the Oberon to clean up the mess that has drawn the attention of those they hoped would never find them. So follow the exploits of the last battleship today and the alternate battleship to save humanity. Once again, this is from author Joshua T. Colbert, and this is available on Amazon. And some other nerdy news between now and our next episode, the latest interpretation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will premiere in theaters, and this is called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant mayhem so i'm going to scroll down but you can look at the whole details in the show notes but first announced in june of 2020 details on this new entry in the tmnt film franchise have been relatively quiet with only a few tidbits of info until now 
There's been many exciting updates recently revealed about the highly anticipated animated film, so there's never been a better time to share them all in one decided space. So, TMNT Mayhem, it premieres August 2nd. Oh, holy crap, what happened to my, well, well, my website is not loading up properly, so I can't give you the whole spill on it. But, I mean, whatever the case, it's another Ninja Turtles film, and it's by Seth Rogen, and it's uh, another origin story, but it's a different take on it this time. Uh, check out the trailers. With this one, they really, really play on the fact that these are not only ninjas and mutants, but they are teenagers. Uh, so there's a lot of fun uh, comedic angst just because these guys are, are, are they really, really uh, narrowing down the fact that these are a bunch of kids. So um, once again, this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and this is going to be available in theaters come August Second, and then the next nerdy bit of nerdy news: uh, If you're not in the mood for some heroes in the half shell, uh, you might want to check out this film called "The Final Voyage of the Dementor." So this is based on a single chapter of Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula novel uh, for. That being the captain's log. So the story is set aboard the Russian schooner Demeter, which was chartered to carry private cargo, 24 unmarked wooden crates from Carpathia to London. The film will detail the strange events that befell the Dune crew as they attempt to survive the ocean voyage, stalled each night by a terrifying presence on board the ship. When it finally arrived near Whitley Harbor, it was derelict. There was no trace of the crew. So once again, uh, this is uh, based on the single chapter of Braun Stoker's 1897 classic Dracula, and it will be available in theaters by the time you guys get this episode. I'm looking for the premiere date. I want to say it's August 11th, but don't quote me on that. Uh, ah, the mobile, ver the mobile version of this <laughs> of IMDB is atrocious. Holy crap. But yeah, again, uh, this is the Last Voyage of the Dementor, and it is going to be available in theaters by the time you guys get between now and the next episode. But whatever the case, folks, if you want to stay up to date with our sci-fi and fantasy book recommendations, along with updates in nerd culture, be sure to check out the StoryCenters.com website, along with our social media outlets, that being Twitter and our Facebook group. So to that end, ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived to our latest Nerdy Chat episode. And with this Nerdy Chat episode, we actually have a subject matter that we are going to base our discussion around. And it is going to be centered with AI versus creatives. Now, like I said, folks, I, this, this, so Scott, Abby, if you see me waving this, that means we got to wrap it up. <laughs> I, I know we've had some interesting conversations about this already to begin with, but I, but uh, bear in mind, we got, uh, what we got about, a little over 30 minutes to, to uh, get this discussion going. So I'm going to start with this. Um, the Writers Guild of America initiated a strike um, a couple of months ago in May of this year with one of its concerns centering around chat GPT, that being an AI program. Um, and it's only being, and the argument is that they want it to be used as a tool that can help with research or facilitate script ideas and not as a tool to replace them. Uh, then eventually, um, just a couple of days ago, um, maybe two months, uh, two weeks ago from now, the American Screenwriters Guild follows suit with its own strike. And they're pretty much expressing similar concerns uh, to the use of AI. 
So we've been we've been hearing a lot of argument, a lot of talk about this in the news lately. But um, for those who may not be on the receiving end of the entertainment, or who who are only on the receiving end of the entertainment, aka the audiences, um, from a creator's perspective, Scott and Abby, and uh, we can start with you, Abby. How would you explain why this issue of artificial intelligence is such a concern for creatives? I mean, where to begin, right? It's like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's a lot wrong with it. One thing is that it's a tool of mass plagiarism in the same way that torrenting is, is mass piracy. So, you know, so I do think that the people that say, oh, oh, it can't be stopped. I do think they do have a point. Um, The cat's out of the bag. The, the technology exists. You can regulate it. You can definitely try to regulate it, but there's always going to be some country somewhere that is not going to listen to your laws. And there's always going to be somebody that, you know, want, doesn't want to play by the rules. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's, it's a fool's dream to say that it's just going to go away. Um, it is going to continue to exist. Mm-hmm. However, the people that generate stuff with AI and take credit for it and say, I made that, are idiots and jerks. And there's, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, there's something ethically and morally wrong with these people. Like, <laughs> you know, like, how can you feel proud of you, you wrote a prompt and you pushed a button and it generated a beautiful work of art and you're taking credit for that? You know, give me a break. That and is your work. For clarification, people, for those, uh, well, going into the visual art aspect of AI, um, what a lot of these software and a lot of these programs are doing is that it's searching the web based on the keywords that are put in the algorithm, and they are finding art from various artists and just pretty much combining everything into what is on the receiving end of the final piece. Yeah, so, and I've, I've heard the arguments against that, saying, oh, it learns like a human learns. Bull. Yeah, you yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I was about to get to that. And so, and there's a fine difference because, yeah, I mean, the they always say the greatest form of flattery for an artist is imitation. But this is a, this, this is far from the same thing, um, not by a long shot, because, I mean, for one, I mean, AI is just, it's, it's not really, I wouldn't even say it's mimicking. And the other thing is when we do imitation, like if you look at uh, Renaissance art, for example, if you look at students of the Italian artists like Raphael, Leonardo, you see inspiration and like, uh, art styles that were taken from their from their mentor. But anyone with sharp eye would can clearly say, tell and deduce as like, oh no, this is from a student of Raphael or Leonardo. This isn't from an original piece from the artist itself. And that's not the case with AI. AI will just take that art piece and just mimic it and claim it as their own. Unbeknownst to like the thousands millions of artists out there who have no knowledge of it and at the very and at the very least if you could give the artists who got well their art style taken from them you could give them credit at the very least but that's not even happening so it's not like we're like well well we demand like uh uh like a cut, a cut would be very, very nice. But the fact that there's no credit whatsoever and that there's no permission, a lot of the art that is shared online is either, not all of it is shared for commercial purposes. And that's what the big issue is. Like no one wants to have their their craft taken without credit. And that is the case for musicians which is the reason why a lot of musicians are starting to back up this strike that's taken place. And of course, it, it's the, definitely the case for actors now, which were in strong support of the Writers Guild strike until they eventually decided to, well, ha- make a strike of their own. Um, Scott, did you want to add anything to that? 
you know, the problem is there's so many entry points to the conversation. Um, So one of the problems is, A, the studio system already doesn't value or pay writers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They extract ideas, then get a couple of, of execs in a room who think they can do clever things and they're generally wrong which is why we get quote unquote Hollywood uh, logic in so much entertainment Mm -hmm. so here's part of the problem going back to the technology of AI one of the challenges is that AI is fed as Abby was saying with existing works yes it analyzes deconstructs is that the way that people learn kind of sort of but not really anyway different problem um And one of the downsides of this is that current copyright law does not respect that which is generated by an AI as a unique or copyrightable work of, of uh, work. Therefore, the derivative authors that it stole from in order to discover its own voice get neither credit nor um, royalty for the fact that their works created this mind. I know the argument, right? Well, I went to school and I read the works of Faulkner and, and the classic authors and they informed what I do, but they are not what I do. I do something totally different and unique. Yes. AI doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like everyone's got their own, sorry. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, no, 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 I haven't, I haven't waved it yet. You're good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm personally very tired of, of like, there's a lot of people in the writing world that are repeating this refrain that originality and creativity are dead, that, that there's no innovation. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm really tired of hearing that honestly Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Everyone is influenced by each other. Yeah. We all exist in the world and we're, we're influenced by nature and the things we see. Yes. But that is not the same thing as being creative Yes. And, and putting your own voice, your own touch on things. Like and even, the fact that a bunch of pencil pushers can can generate 22 versions of an original story is not the point. Someone generated the original story. That's yes. creativity. Yes. These stamp out copies, these, these wannabe replicants aren't creativity. They're talent, but not creativity. Or the creativity is so limited as to be mechanical and the kind of thing by the way that ai is really good at doing which is mechanical uh, uh, uh ghosting of someone else's content um Absolutely. but that's part of the problem is is you know what it would work great for about three to five years you get a bunch of scripts that you think you can use then as ai does it would be so flat empty and banal that the market would chew itself down and go away in my yeah. opinion so we we <sighs> Of course, there's been a large focus on a lot of the cons to AI. But all right, guys, let's let's really, really <laughs> dig this in. <laughs> could there, on the off chance, are, could there possibly be some positive aspects? No, to, next question. To yeah, no, AI, I, I, no, I will say, <laughs> like, I think it's it's good at doing menial uncreative tasks so it probably has applications in medicine and science where you want to like iterate things if you want to do uncreative iterations mm-hmm. 10 million times of something i i've you know i hear that it's it's making it's helping some people so my husband's a full stack developer he says ai helps him about five percent so okay. it is giving him a little bit of a boost um a little bit you know yeah. but but let's not overstate what it's doing. Let's I mean, not overstate. Yeah, yeah. It, it isn't intelligent and it isn't creative. See, yeah. as, as a geezer boy who has used over the years many things like random word generators that would put together uh, random combinations of words that I would then look at and say, ooh, does that inspire me to come up with a story that works mm-hmm. ai is fabulous at that at providing a prompt for a human yes, imagination to work I am off certain of. they could give you some really really fun colorful ideas like and, uh, a lot of people have even tried that um actually you know what now you mentioned that i remember like just 
just for for kicks and giggles, I um I tried Jet, uh, Chat GPT and I was like, give me an ele- give me a fifty word elevator pitch for a sci fi short story. For uh, no, give me a fifty. Uh, yeah, give me a fifty word elevator pitch for five sci fi short stories. And I looked them up. And I was like, oh, you know what? That's cool. That's all right. I can go with that, but I'm not going to go and like give me a hundred thousand word full length novel. <laughs> That's so, there, there. See, there's a huge difference from right there. Well, yeah, or even outlining it. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't think that it should be used. I mean, look, I know there's authors who are going to use it to outline because you know nobody's going to be able, no one's going to stop them. Yeah. But honestly. If I, like it just seems to me that that is something to feel really ashamed of. Like if you're an author who can't think of a story, what are you doing? Like why are you using this? Yeah, and for what? And for where it's worth? I mean, by the time you get to the outline, I mean, an outline is the skeleton of a story for the most part, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, yeah. so, so to that end, yeah, I mean, let, let's let's not be. Like, and you're oh gonna my have- God, AI is gonna like end everything and everything. So there are some, there are some positive components and, and and aspects to where it can be used. But going back to what Abby said, I mean, let's not be around the bush. I mean, it's not, it, it's just not creative. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> and I'm trying not to be. I'm trying to be as unbiased as I can. Well, which is easier said than done because I mean, I'm a artist and an author and stuff so I, I i try to be as objective about it as possible but just looking at like looking at the aspects to it and we even talked about this in the previous question there's just something that the the whole portion where you can say creative it, it just really isn't there. It's not creative. It's just looking up algorithms and sources of creativity. And, and again, I mean, looking at like writing prompts and stuff like that, it can really, it can be a useful tool and, and, and give you some nice assets to that. But I'm, I wouldn't want it to write an entire story for me at the very least. Um, no. <laughs> so uh, AI is one of those uh, it's one of those sci-fi features that has suddenly become sci-fact. Um, I mean, who would have thought even 10 years ago that we'd be having this conversation, you know? So at its, ter- at its current stage, can you think of any sci-fi stories that is the most accurate interpretation of of sci- of AI in our current situation? <laughs> I mean, I wrote one. <laughs> <laughs> not to toot um, our own horn, Abby. Right? But. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, but it's not published yet. Um, and uh, Anyway. Yeah. So, so, and I mean, yeah, there's been like some cyberpunk novels that you might say skirt skirt along the issue a bit but no honestly i haven't seen anyone tackle it the way it is the way we're seeing it in our world um and i don't think what this is is intelligence of course i mean it's just it's mimicry and it's it's bots and, so, okay. that, and that's true i mean for us where usually when we still talk about i mean when we think of sci i mean ai and sci-fi stories i mean it's like it's almost like as a it's a, a synthetic life form where it, it can really reason with its own self and logic and have its own personalities. And we haven't necessarily gotten to that point yet. So, <laughs> so I mean, I can't think of a lot of sci- uh, sci-fi stories where, where, where they tackle the emphasis stage of AI per se, or tackle the, legal aspects to it there have been um i think of there have been some stories like the uh, like there's a short story in the animatrix where they showed uh the regular like the world starting to make regulations for ai but even then 
by that point, AI had gotten so far in advance that, I mean, you had AI asking for artificial intelligence rights, like human rights. Um, so that's not quite this in the same boat. Um, maybe another example. Wait, we. No, I mean, I don't think we're even close to that. That This is not yeah. going to evolve. The, evolve is a harsh term. <laughs> I have a, some opinions on that that may vary with those of the management. Um, right now, I think that AI is seated with, with such simple rules and with so few limitations that it is not required to every AI experiment they've run so far eventually gets out of the box and goes down a path of focus that is so hyper-focused and non-useful that it then evolves itself into something that is neither recognizable nor useful to any human operator. Uh, you know, you hear about the experiments with chatbots where the chatbot was taught to, was instructed to see what was popular and mimic it. Mm -hmm. Within 24 hours, it was getting banned from its own service because it had become extremely offensive yeah. because that's what got, you know, likes, interactions, and retweets, as it were. Mm -hmm. This yeah, is the problem. Until AI we figure out... It's uh, always right. ugly. <laughs> now, can we figure that out? Yes, we can. But we haven't yet. Right. And so, and I'm going to segue that, because that's a good segue into the next question I had, because, I mean, it, I mean AI, it, it is very quick to adapting and learning. Uh, going back to what you said, Abby, I want to call it evolving, but it is a, a it is adjusting appropriately. Like if you look at like AI, like those AI commercials, like when they first came out, woo, nightmares in the making. But because especially when it came to, uh, have you seen like the the uh, commercials when when food is involved? Well, <laughs> uh, AI really doesn't understand that foods and mouths are completely separate entities. So. <laughs> This is stuff of nightmares, but I mean, if you look at, uh, but if you look at like AI commercials now, you actually see it is like, oh, now it understands. It's like, no, you, a person, a human hand, has to pick up this food in order to put it in their mouth. It's not like one and the same. Um, but anyway, this, I digress. But j just to, just to make the point, it's like, I mean, AI is adapting and it is learning. So no, while it's it currently. Sorry, I mean, it's it's not. What, what's happening is huge teams of hundreds of thousands of overseas low-wage workers are teaching it, basically. So, you know, there's there's workers on Mechanical Turk or whatever that are okay. like, like, you know, what's the difference between a mouth and a hamburger? And then they click on 8 million pictures that, that and they say, this is a mouth, this is a hamburger, this is a mouth, this is a hamburger. And that's how they're training it. So it's not learning. It's being in, it's ha it's getting inputs. It's, it's just refining its pattern matching algorithm, which is not at all the same thing as truly learning and being able to adapt gotcha. in a, in an intelligent way. Is it adaptive? Yes. Is it intelligent? No. Okay. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Okay. So, and I think I even mentioned the fact that there's still a dire need for an engineer. Uh, someone who's actually like in the back end feeding it like AI this information. So uh, what should be done once or if it reaches a stage where it can truly perform all of its own tasks to the equivalent or if not better of a human? Because a lot of people are, are talking about like, oh, well, it's, it's just a creative problem. But I mean, what about when it comes to uh, labor or like logistics and analytics? Hey, I mean, me, much like everyone else, I hope it does replace executives. 
Oh well. All the hell I do overlords, huh? <laughs> um, like or project managers. Like, I mean, yeah. If it's a non-creative task, like, like, all right, cool. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry, okay. Maybe I'm a little too too heavily involved with creativity. Um. Okay, but the the fact is, like, I think that any anything that requires like in- human intelligence, it's not going to be able to do. You know, like they they keep trying, so they keep having they're they're trying to make self driving cars, right? They want cars that are going to be replace a driver. Okay, so you can say truck drivers and drivers and you know Uber drivers and stuff. Mm-hmm. We want to replace them. Okay, so let's um, you know, so let's let's get an AI to learn how to drive. Sounds simple, right? Well, it's not simple, you know, and so they, what they're finding is, for instance, they trained some AI to recognize pedestrians, recognize bicyclists and avoid them. And then the thing ran over a, a person walking a bicycle mm-hmm. because it, it wasn't equipped for that. You yep. know, and another one where it was like, OK, um, you know, like a discount sky data. And then it slammed into a truck that was painted blue like the sky. Mm. Um, you know, so, so these are just very, there's too many exceptions to every rule. A human mind can handle that where we, we learn over a period of years as infants and yeah. as toddlers. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah. Like, and there's a lot that goes into that. Right. This thing. I mean, a lot of it's even subconscious truth be told. I mean, we don't well, have yeah. to like learn it. That's just part of, I mean, that's millions and millions of years of evolution. That's just like innate yeah. for us. Part of the challenge is that we have real-time curation of our thoughts as well. We yes. do not have, you know, 2,000 years of experience without input, without mm-hmm. correction, without uh, modification or alteration of context, value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. AI does. Its processing speed gets ahead of itself to the point where it becomes alien and unrecognizable so quickly that it's not manageable. Humans do have real-time experience with curation and interaction. And that makes a lot of difference. Curation is the key word right there, my dude. Seriously. Yeah. 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 And the, the thing is, like, like, even, okay, so, like, if I'm doing a rote job, even, like, any kind of job where there's 10 exceptions to every rule, computers have trouble with exceptions to rules. That's that's a large part of the problem here. Yeah. So yeah, like, like they're still struggling to get them to be reliable with self-driving. They're, they're going to keep struggling to get them to be reliable, to do anything that, that requires some human intelligence. Good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, it can so do cognitive thinking. So playing devil's yeah. advocate a little bit with sufficient time and AIs interacting with AIs, can we simulate the human learning experience sufficiently to get something not human, but human-ish? Um, I'm not sure that's going to be impossible. I don't think we have it set up yet, but in three years, five years, 10 no. years, could we? I don't, I don't know. Think so. I don't think we're going to see that in our lifetime. You know, maybe in 500 years, maybe, but I do not see that anywhere even close to the horizon because people are not looking at what's going into the training of these things. Like it really isn't a matter of like one lone programmer typing in some code and and, boom, and they also see a very limited window as to what the output is right mm-hmm. um they're not seeing the sum total output of unattended uh evolution they're seeing very highly limited within very limited frame but let's use chat gpt as an example uh it's become very good at making up sources yeah. it knows it needs a source so it creates something that sounds that looks that has the shape of a legitimate source, including real names, real places, but not real names at real places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we had a case recently where, where a lawyer filed a, a, an AI written brief, and it turns out that the brief used a, a case number that uh, pointed at something entirely yeah, different. Yeah, it was a real case number, just not relevant work. to this case. <laughs> um, oh, man. Can that be fixed? <sighs> maybe yeah but not with the way we're approaching it right now there's gonna have to be some radical extensions in the way that we approach machine learning and and intuitive uh data acquisition yeah so 
So, okay, so we got time for the last question. So, and we we, we spoke on this, I think, before this show even started, but, um, or even before this conversation even started. Um, but, I mean, it is safe to assume that artificial intelligence, it's it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, it's, it's here to stay. So, at the very least, what would you suggest to current or aspiring creatives to do in this current climate give up no i'm just kidding Damn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I listen i'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm not giving up. Um, all right no, time no. to hang up the ass guys no. this is it sounding <laughs> off <laughs> next week stories for nerds brought to you by yeah i mean the Chat fact GPT. is like like there is a well-known author who's planning to pump out ten thousand sci-fi novels per year using ai um, there are going to be people like that, unethical creators that are going to, you know, say, I wrote these novels mm-hmm. that I pressed a button and, you know, sure. Um, that's, we can't stop that. Now we can hope that a big bookstore like Amazon will eventually crack down or, or say, you know, we, we actually don't want crap on our, taking up all our shelf space. Have Maybe they'll yet. think, I know that. And I, you're right that I'm skeptical that they'll do that as well. Um, but like the fact is like I there are niches on the internet I found yes. one where yeah. people very much want human writers and are there for the interaction with the authors and so you know hey I have my own discord if I'm an author you know that I exist because I can talk to you yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think I think even traditional art is like the great, a great example of that. I know when, uh, when Photoshop and Illustrator uh, came into the scene, a lot of people were saying, well, that's the end of art and stuff. But I mean, go into an art gallery now and you still see traditional art and look at how much that traditional art is being charged. People are still making a very, lovely <laughs> living of being traditional artists. So, I mean, that's also, I mean, going back to what Abby was saying, there is always going to be that demographic or that niche audience who are going to cater to the human touch or the human element. When, when, when it I don't think it's going to be niche, although that could but be. But I, I was about to say, and when I say niche, I mean, I mean, that's like quote unquote. I won't even say niche because like when you say niche, it's almost like a very small demographic and that's definitely not going to be the case. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> there are certain things that I think is exceptional at doing. If you want to generate corporate logos based on these nine mm-hmm. parameters, I think it can do a fine job, but that's yes. not art. Sure. That's something else. Art is an integration of things that current technology does not permit. Now, so on the small pragmatic level, science fiction fantasy writers of America just came out with a, a heads up similar to what the, what the writers guild did and said, look, do not give away AI rights to your work. Like EPUB rights and audio rights before them, this is a right that at the very least you need to sell. Now the question of whether you should sell, that's a totally different question, right? That's an ethical, uh, uh, spiritual question more than a uh, pragmatic question. But this is part of the difficulty is there will always be a class of both uh, publishers and readers who just don't care. For whom anything is good enough, I think that 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 would work for three to five years, and then they would they would burn themselves out, and and we would have destroyed the industry already at that point. Yeah. And that's my challenge: is I think if we go too far down this path and try to replace the creative with the auto generated, we're going to have an increasingly small vista of uniqueness and it's eventually going to go away okay uh abby if you have a, another thought uh go ahead and that'll, that'll have to be the last one yeah i mean I, yes i will say like the big fear i have it's not that i'm going to be replaced by ai or anything like that um my fear is that readers and i'm a reader are going to get burned out and just only be able to find crap now i can still find good stuff because i 
dive deep. I look way beyond what, what the bestsellers are. Um, but not everyone does that. Not everyone has time to do that. Casual browsers aren't going to do that. And so, you know, eventually if all they can find is derivative copycat mimicry, then they're going to stop reading. Mm. And we're going to, we're going to lose a huge part of, of humanity. Like, like, I mean, to me, that's vital to humanity. That's like, it. anyway, I mean, so that's my big fear, honestly, is that we get people that just quit reading, stop looking for movies. Like, people are already stopped stopping going to movies, you know? Um, they just stop looking at the arts because the arts are just so uncreative and so derivative that they don't want to look there anymore. Arguably, uh, idiocracy is the end result of this. Yeah. I'll have to call, talk about this later, but I'm going to explain why I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, we only got a couple minutes left, so we... Good conversation, guys. Thank you so much for your passionate <laughs> feedback on that. But we are going to go ahead and have to wrap it up on this episode. But don't worry. Check us out uh, two weeks from now where we will get back to our Story by Nerds segment. Or if you enjoyed our Nerdy Chat episodes, we'll have another one a month from now. But whatever the case, if you like these Nerdy Chat episodes or our Story by Nerd segment, give us a like, heart, thumbs up, stars. Whatever positive outlet to this podcast is, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, iTunes, eh. You know, et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. But folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Story Service Podcast. Hey, I'm Rafael and Jordan. Y'all keep thinking big all the back to the level. And this is Scott and Abby signing off. Scott, what is going to be the final send-off to our listeners? Just say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no better words than this fucking. You know, I was going to